Hello and welcome to this audio edition of the Ex-Mormon Files with host Earl Erskine. Thank you for joining us. On each episode of this program, Earl, a former LDS bishop, interviews a former Mormon guest about their journey out of Mormonism and into an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. These stories are encouraging, fascinating, and often moving. For more information on the Ex-Mormon Files internet video program, please visit exmormonfiles.com. That's exmormonfiles.com. And now, here's Earl. I'm your host, Bishop Earl, and I thank God for this opportunity and for the volunteers who make this happen. I have a great love for the LDS people. I was Latter-day Saint for over 60 years, but we know that there are many faithful Latter-day Saints questioning and even leaving the church, some because of church doctrine, some because of the church history. Others can't keep the commandments and they have guilt and are frustrated. And there there are those who can't do enough or be good enough or who don't fit in. Tonight I think we have such a guest. This young lady is brave enough to come on and share her story. She was kidnapped when she was young, uh, went to another state with his kidnapper, eventually was freed, but a few years later uh, endured a date rape and actually had a child from this experience. We're happy that Diana would be willing to come and share her story tonight, and we uh, welcome you and appreciate you coming and sharing your, your touching story. We'll kind of go back a little bit before all these experiences and just have you explain a little bit about your life as a Latter-day Saint. You were baptized when you were eight. Is that true? Correct. Um, My my father's parents were extremely LDS, and uh, I would attend church with them every Sunday. And when I was eight years old, they... They asked me if I wanted to be baptized, and of course I did. All my friends were being baptized, and I loved the church. I loved having them. I wanted membership, so okay. I, I was baptized in the church. And, and you were active after that oh. as a young young person. and Absolutely. You went to primary and mutual, and mm-hmm. what else did you do? Oh, um, well, after primary and mutual, and I became a young woman. Yes. And uh, I was even called to serve as a primary teacher for... Okay. Five-year-olds, I believe. Yeah. Um, I used to go on camping adventures during the summertime with the young women's group. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I was just faithful. I did it all. I, yeah. I loved being at church, and I loved going to Fast and Testimony Sundays. I used to sing in the choir, and I had spoke a couple of times in seminary. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, in seminary. <laughs> yeah, you took seminary. I was a, I was a four-year seminary graduate, yeah. and I still remember my testimony at the end of that, and I... I loved it. Loved everything about the Mormon Church. <laughs> really, and so. you, uh, you had a patriarchal blessing. Oh yeah, how, how was that experience? Touching. I, I felt that burning in the bosom, and I, I just, I felt so special. Like yeah. I was, I was the only one to God at that moment when I was getting my hands laid upon me, and yeah, and you I, felt like those words were just for you. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. interesting. And mm-hmm. so again, you said you had a testimony of Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon. And yes. Read them regularly and. I did. Um, Absolutely. While I was actually in Vegas after I had been taken against my will, um, I I had my Book of Mormon with me, thankfully, at that time. And I believed that it really helped me through the entire time. I used to read my patriarchal blessing and memorize the articles of faith. So I made sure that I was being a good servant so that way he would save me from my 
my situation that I was at at the time. So, <laughs> Well, you shared with me a little bit ago um, a letter that you wrote. And uh, tell us the contents of this letter that you had written to yourself. Um, back in about 1999, which is about a year before I graduated high school, um, I actually wrote a letter to myself that I found two days ago. Um, and it was talking about the LDS temple and how much I wanted to get married and sealed in the temple. And I told myself that I could never let anything stop me because that was the ultimate goal and that I wanted to be the best wife and mother that I could and that I just wanted to be faithful and that God would bless me. And yeah. uh, I just... That was my name, number one goal, is being sealed in the temple. And I definitely, I did baptisms for the dead, so I got yeah. halfway there. <laughs> and I know you were obedient. You mentioned uh, when President Hinckley came with his pronouncement. Uh, well, anyway, you explain that. Oh, um, I had moved back to Arizona, and I decided to get my ears pierced. I had about eight piercings in each ear. Hmm. And uh, after, I remember President Hinckley talking at conference one day, and he said that he had a revelation from God that we, as women, could only have one ear piercing in each hole. I bawled, and I took them each out, which I had spent probably $50 a piece on, <laughs> and didn't put them back in the entire duration of my, my LDS walk. So. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure how now what the LDS will think of this. And, and you have what you really are, as you're growing up and you're being taught, you're sharing your testimony about Joseph, at least in testimony meetings and on mm -hmm. summer camps. You mentioned you went to mm -hmm. youth camps and shared testimony. So you really felt like you were on the right path, I suppose. Uh, Most of the time, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I felt that I was doing everything that I could, uh, attending regularly, taking sacrament every Sunday. Yeah. Um, bearing my testimony in fast and testimony meetings, and I felt like I was doing the best that I could at the time, you know, uh, teaching the, the six-year-olds, yeah. five-year-olds, and... Being in the choir and being stuff. Being in the choir. And so now, now you have... Uh, we won't probably cover all the details of your unfortunate experiences, but you do end up with a child. Right. And tell us about how your first visits, I guess during your pregnancy and so on, but... You had some visits with some leaders and some other people. Well, um, <laughs> I kind of moved around uh, the United States a little bit, but uh, after the whole Vegas incident, I, I moved to Georgia to be with a friend, and that's when I did um, end up with a rape, and I, I found that I was pregnant. Um, I had searched at a church before, as soon as I had gotten there to find an LDS church in Georgia, which was very difficult. I had mm -hmm. to go about half an hour uh, away from her house to get there. Um, after I found out, I, I spoke with my bishop because I wasn't sure what to do. I thought he could give me the answers. Um, and I remember sitting with him in his office, and the words that he had told me were, if you don't adopt out this child, then you will never <clears throat> get it to the celestial kingdom because you're not married in the temple. And that, <laughs> that struck me hard. Well, that was hard to hear. Right. And, but I did. I, I went to... About eight months of the LDS Adoption Center, um, weekly groups. And, and what was their counsel? Uh, the same thing. Uh, they, they wanted you to adopt a baby. Right. Out. Everyone that was there had either, was either pregnant and adopting out or placing, as they say, or uh, they had already placed their child for adoption. And I, I could see, even in the, the faithful LDS girls, I could see the pain that they had went through and still go through. Still making after that decision. Making the decision after they yeah. had lost, I guess you could say lost their child. They, yeah. You know you know that you're walking faithfully in, in what you think that God wants at that moment, but it's still heart-wrenching, and I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. So. 
Well, I know there are some positives and negatives associated mm -hmm. with this whole thing, but, and it's hard to bring out all of those, but, but it just seems like the church is, is, would, in, in its own way, puts guilt on the fact that you're an unwed mother. Right. And uh, that uh, this isn't something. So you made the decision, though, to absolutely to well, keep the baby. I did, and I had come back to Utah to be with my mother. She helped me out through the pregnancy, and um, I started going to a singles ward uh, via a friend's advice, mm -hmm. and loved it. I, I used to go to their parties. They had dances, and yeah. it was amazing. I loved it. But when I was about two or three weeks away from giving birth. I was pulled into the bishop's office yet again, but another bishop, and was uh, was told that I needed to leave once the baby was born to go to a family church that was ordained to to help single mothers in that way, and mm -hmm. that I was a bad influence on the young ladies there, thinking that they would be able to raise a child on their own. Oh. So that was also another kind of <laughs> strike, you know, because I... I mean, I thought you I was doing like okay. You felt like you were a bad example oh. to the other girls mm, if you stayed in the singles ward. Absolutely. And did you feel comfortable going back to the family ward, as they call it, I think? And Not as much as I, I wish I could have. Um, yeah. I did feel like, you know, I was already kicked out basically of this one, and then the last advice that I had received from my first bishop in Georgia, mm -hmm. I felt that I just wasn't worthy. But I still went. I still tried my hardest to go every Sunday and... And you know, I even had Caden, which is my oldest son. He was uh, he was blessed um, mm -hmm. by members of the church, and I felt like you know, I perhaps I'd be more accepted eventually once they got to know me again. And yeah, that never really happened. No, <laughs> not really. Well, so tell us what happens next. I mean, you you just feel uncomfortable. Do you keep going to church? Or? Um, I did. I I started not being as active. Mm -hmm. I I still I wanted to be in the choir, which was. A lot more difficult uh, as a single mom with a yeah, son. Right. Um, so I, I started kind of hanging out with a different group of people. And after a few years of sporadically going to church and thinking I just wasn't worth it, I, I met a bunch of people at a, a kind of a vampirical club, I guess you could call it. And uh, they, were, they were pagan practicing, and they believed in gods and goddesses. And, and I thought, you know, I've gone through so much, maybe there really isn't, you know, the God that I thought that there was of the Book of Mormon. So mm -hmm. I, I don't want to say I completely fell away because in my heart I always believed. And still had a testimony of Joseph Smith. Right, right. I still had a major. Yeah, I still believe because I knew that if my testimony of Jesus or Joseph Smith ever dwindled, that yeah. I would be, you know, not, not worthy of, of, at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't believe in the entire thing. So. Well, do you. Uh, I guess some LDS would say that maybe you're not being accepted or feeling welcomed was your fault. I right. suppose that's possible, and yet it's there, right? Absolutely. You've um, met others, I'm sure, that probably feel the same way. Right. Have you? Um, yeah, I have. I mean, throughout the years, I, when I was going at that time, and even now, I still meet people that, you know, they look different, their hair's different, their, their skin's different, or uh, tattoos or something, you know, they, they're converts to the LDS church, which yeah. I get a lot of people saying, you know, I, I have tattoos and so I don't feel as accepted, but I love to go. So, you know, whether people think that it was my fault that I wasn't accepted or the fault of the entire congregation or however you want to say it, yeah. I, part of it was, yes, I felt like I was not worthy and yeah. maybe that I wasn't going to be accepted, but being told so many times that I'm not going to get to the celestial kingdom and my, my child will never and that basically I'm just not good enough. Then yeah. you start 
that's a major, major well, ego. I think it's one of the fruits of Mormonism, one of the negative fruits, and whether it's a, a personal, individual thing, or it's, but it, collectively it just seems to be a recurring theme that if you're not fit in, fitting into the mold, you're just not accepted. And, and that's, to not have that relationship with God, or at least always having the church in between you and God, is, uh, it just doesn't seem right. right. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about more of your transition, how you were in this uh, kind of a Wiccan situation right. for a while, and um, just kind of floundered, and you weren't sure what to do, right? <laughs> right. I, I did at one point, I believe in 2005, I did start feeling like I needed to find a religion again because, you know, this seemed kind of wrong, kind of right, and I wasn't sure. So I started uh, thumbing through the yellow pages, and I found a lot of churches, uh, even LDS churches. And I started calling around, and uh, the only church that called me out of about 30 back was uh, a Baptist church. Mm. And so I decided, what the heck, I'll, I'll go try it, you know, because I feel God's going to be there. So um, I went, and I felt really uncomfortable. Um, oh, really? I think I went maybe two times and I yeah. thought, this isn't what I'm used to. This is, you know, they're standing up, there's a choir like going crazy, not not like <laughs> Pentecostal, you know, yeah. all over Holy Roller, but uh, like they were going... But they were singing relatively, Yeah, they were, they were praising and, and I was not comfortable with that at the time because I thought I'm supposed to be sitting here listening. We're supposed to have a speech and... <laughs> And uh, so I, after about two weeks, I didn't go back. But mm -hmm. they kind of kind of kept in contact to make sure I was okay. Yeah. And uh, started going back to the club and, and doing the pagan thing. But all the while thinking, I can't deny the LDS church or I'm going to go straight to hell. I mean, that's just, that's what I was taught. If you deny the church or if you deny uh -huh. the gospel, then there's no way that's that you can make it. It's kind of drummed into you a lot, right. isn't it? That if right. you turn away that you're... Absolutely. Your soul's in jeopardy. Right, and yeah. that scared the living heck out of me. <laughs> so I just, you know, in the back of my mind, I always, I always believed, but I kept going with the way I was going. And then um, after a few years, uh, in 2010, I decided I needed to make better friends. And I actually, at that time, started calling missionaries to come back to my house, thinking I should go back to the church. You know, maybe it was just me. Mm. And so I had some missionaries that would come visit. They would stand outside because I'm still, you know, not with a husband at the moment. Right. And we made a few dates for discussions, and they just never showed back up to mm. to talk to me. So I thought... Well, perhaps because you were already a member. You'd never a, been removed, so they... Right. Was, was that their reason, or they just never they told you? They didn't give me a reason, but oh. it's a very big possibility. Did you go back to church? <laughs> um, a couple of times, yes, and yeah. I got help from the bishop, and he told me that the only way he could help me out with my closest, uh, kids, or kids' clothes <laughs> was if I was to attend a certain amount of weeks every, you know, every oh. week. And so I did that, and, uh, and then I just I started feeling I should start looking at the yellow pages again. And I did, and I found Lutheran churches, Baptist churches, and I thought, I don't know what I want to do. And so I started praying, like, earnestly, you know, just yeah. give me some kind of a sign. Yeah. And not long after, I started talking to someone that was going to these vampirical clubs and didn't know it, but she had become Christian. Oh. And her and her mother were extremely, extremely uh, faithful, I suppose we can say. And I remember speaking with her one day on the phone, and she just said, you got to give it up. Just give, give your life to Christ. And Wow. So I did. I don't know. You want me to tell that story? <laughs> yeah, I sure do. All right. Please. Um, well, I remember lying on the couch, and my kids were uh, behind me on another couch, and we were watching television. 
And I spoke to her on the phone, and she just said, you know, give your life up to Christ. And I thought, what do I have to lose, really? So I hung up with her, and just very silently in my heart, I I just gave it up. I said, Lord, I can't do this anymore. You know, I'm raising two children now on my own, and I just don't feel like I'm worthy of anything, anybody's love, uh, you know, the things that I had been through. And I just said, I don't want this anymore. I... It's either I'm going to end up hurting myself eventually or or I need your guidance. And uh, just kind of gave my children to him, too. I said, I give you everything. I give you my friends. You know, take them if you need to. Get them yeah. out of my life. That way I can keep it a, a good, positive attitude. And I remember just kind of ending the prayer with, thank you so much for helping. And, you know, uh, didn't really feel much. But then a couple of minutes later, I felt like I needed to go lie down on the upstairs bed. So told my kids to watch cartoons and I went upstairs and about five minutes later I felt I need some I need some fresh air I need to go outside and you know at this time I was I was smoking I had started smoking and uh, so I went outside you know to have a cigarette I guess fresh air and I remember it was dark and I was sitting quietly just kind of staring out into nothing and uh, (laughs) almost immediately I felt just what felt like a warm hand just reach into my chest, almost like it grabbed around my heart. And what I forgot to say is that um, during this whole time, this whole process, I was angry, and I was very, very angry at myself. So I hated the world for for not being into the church, for for, for not, everything, for for just all the choices you'd made. Right. Maybe, for maybe. I felt like allowing myself to be a single parent, for allowing myself to fall away from this faith that I believed in. You were just taking all this blame on yourself, right? And you, and, you know, still wanting to get married in the LDS temple, thinking that was yeah. my ultimate goal, and and I just I was angry, so I let my anger out on everyone else I just I hated people and that was I mean that's a bad word or a strong yeah. word to say but I did I just my heart was not was very, not joyous at nice, all huh? right and I remember sitting there and it just it felt like that warm hand reached around my heart and it just took all of the anger that I had and removed it from my chest and I just I didn't know what to I was in awe and I felt like God at that moment was there with me just like just holding me and all the anger that I had and all of the guilt and mm. all the frustration, I mean, it just it just seemed to melt away. Wow. And from that moment forth, I just thought, this is it. Like, this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm, I'm here, you know, he led me through all of these years so that I would come to him eventually, and, and I did. Wow. And oh, it was... <laughs> <laughs> it was great. I'm, I'm pretty much all cried out about it now because every time I say it, it just it makes me uh-huh. remember that. But it's and it, I just knew I, I had a knowledge and I knew God was there and I knew that I was okay. <laughs> and the, a burden off your shoulders oh. and it it was like I was carrying the entire world and it just yeah. it was removed and like like I said when I had prayed, I asked him just to take everything and it, it felt like he did. It really. And, you know, I thought, am I going crazy? I mean, this is, is you know, this, really this is really, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I've heard people afterwards say, oh, my, my, uh, my walk with God, it didn't start for a while after I prayed to him. And some say it's immediate. And I just, yeah. I wasn't expecting it. I can tell you that for sure. But you had heard of born again at moments, but you weren't really expecting right. it that way. Yeah. And I didn't really know what being born again meant yeah. at that time either, but it just, it felt incredible and I've never felt that way <laughs> before. Well, now for our listeners, how do you compare then your relationship with God as a Latter-day Saint and now as a Christian? How does that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, to be honest, when I was in Mormonism, I thought I had a great relationship. 
But being that I don't even remember hardly ever teaching the kids about Jesus or, or learning about Jesus much. There was, you know, maybe three or four times the entire time I remember any yeah. of the lessons. And I just believe now, you know, being in the Bible and knowing that that's his word, I just feel like the relationship I have with him is, it's like he's my best friend. It's like he's my father, he's my lover, he's everything to me. And I just... I feel like he's sitting next to me every day, you know, in every moment. And, and he loves you no matter what you bring to the table. We're yeah. all sinners. Mm -hmm. And uh, recognizing that draw, eliminates that guilt, don't you think? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I completely believe that. I mean, And it's, what happened to your smoking? I know you mentioned oh, this. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I smoked for quite a while. And if anybody's ever smoked, you know, it's not an easy thing to get over. Yeah. Um, but about nine and a half months ago, I just, I, I felt impressed upon to just quit. And I remember I had my cigarette in my hand and I just threw it on the ground and I never looked back. Uh, I haven't had any, it was just cold turkey or I could yeah. say Jesus just <laughs> did it for just me. So, right, absolutely. Uh, so and we haven't talked much about your family. I know you had some grandparents that have, have been very influential in your life, encouraged you, of course, to be baptized and other things. Tell us a little bit about their reaction to all this. <laughs> well, the, um, those grandparents that are my, my father's parents, uh, they did have me baptized at eight. They are still LDS. They, I remember them about 10 years ago, maybe a little more. They got sealed in the temple together. And they're, they're very active. Um, some of my best friends, my grandfather and I, we've had our troubles and <laughs> I'm, I'm a little intimidated by him. You know, he's, yeah. he's the, the Marine Corps guy that just, I feel like he's more worthy yeah. or used to feel like he was more worthy than I was. Uh, when I told them I was getting baptized, my grandfather's words were, well, you know that it's not a real baptism because... You mean bapti baptism right. uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Correct. Better. I was, that I was getting baptized in a, in a Baptist church as Christian into, into Jesus. And he said, it's, it's not a real baptism because you're not being baptized with someone with the authority. With the authority. And as a, as a grandfather and the only man that had really kind of stepped in as my father, it just, oh, oh. that was not something I wanted to hear. <laughs> I, or that it, it was just, it was difficult. That was hard. Uh, and he had some thoughts about your celestial kingdom future too, didn't he? <laughs> right. Um, we were having dinner as a family one night yeah. and uh, we were... Somehow we got into the, the topic of religion, and you know, I, I said, I'm so glad to be a Christian. And he said, well, you know, your grandmother and I are definitely going to miss you when we pass away. And, and I knew, and I just I kind of gave him that look, and he's like, well, you know, because we're going to be in heaven, and you won't. And yeah. I just thought, <laughs> They'll be in the celestial kingdom. Celestial kingdom, and, absolutely. And you'll be in one of the lower kingdoms, Right, celestial, probably, or outer darkness. Who knows yeah. what they think, but, <laughs> yeah. Was, and, like I said, they're authoritative figures. They're, yeah. you know, people I look up to. And yeah. just to hear that is really heart-wrenching. Oh, boy. So. Well, now you have two boys now. I do. And you, and you take them to church. Do they enjoy yes. the church services? Absolutely. Um, yeah, they do. They, they go to uh, youth um, it's a kind of a youth program. They study the Bible and they play games and yeah. they love it. I just think some of the LDS don't realize or even think or give it much thought that the Christian world has youth programs and right. nurseries and young people's programs and camps and other things that allow them to 
um, develop and learn more and appreciate uh, the Bible. And so I think it's good that we remind them that there is life after Mormonism, that there is a, a joy, and, and just to have that guilt off of your shoulders. It's always been curious to me that we did baptize young people at eight. Because being baptized is your, how would you say it? What, what is the purpose of baptism? Now, that I believe now? now? Yeah. Um, well, I, I believe that the Bible states that it's just to be resurrected with Christ. I mean, you're yeah, buried death, with Him. And, and resurrection. Yeah. And it's... Turning it, your life to Christ. Right. Or representing that. It's not a saving ordinance, necessarily. Absolutely. Not a saving ordinance, but we baptize kids, or the LDS do at eight years old. They hardly know Jesus. They right. certainly aren't turning their life over. I, I've often thought it's, I think it's a good idea maybe that they get their names on the rolls at eight, but then maybe later on they should baptize reflecting that person's willingness to turn their lives over to Christ. Right. So how, how do you feel now about the Bible you've oh, mentioned? It's my rock. I mean, that's the only thing that I can go to. Yeah. Um, anytime I'm having a difficult time, that's the only, the only thing that I, other than prayer, but then there's always the solidity of having something to hold. Yeah. And, and I just, I, <laughs> while I was, uh, right after I was baptized Christian, um, I started feeling like I should memorize scriptures. So I started just going, <laughs> I mean, going at it. I mean, I would start reading the Bible. I mean, I remember reading the Bible probably for six months straight for maybe eight hours a day. Now, had you read it before as a Latter-day Saint? Not really. Not really. Um, there was, Spent more time in the Book of Mormon. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I read the Book of Mormon probably four or five different times. Mm. Um, the Progret Price, DNC, yeah. all that. Um, the Bible was just something that was to back up points for people in like seminary. They would give us, you know, certain scriptures here and there, right. but it was never impressed upon us to just uh, read. Just to, L, just to support different right. LDS doctrine Absolutely. here and there, yeah. So now you've read the Bible, you're consuming it, and you can't get enough of it. And, oh, I can't. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I have a, about 15 of them around the house, but I have Bi a small... Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just I have a small... <laughs> Yeah, uh, just different different versions, different footnotes and yeah. things, so I can get a full understanding. And I, I carry one with me in my purse most of the time. And so. Well, your born-again experience is so special. Uh, do you think the Latter-day Saints, what do they misunderstand about Christians, do you think? Is, is it part of this born-again experience? Having your eyes open, would you call it that? Um, I, I like the term because I feel like I was born again. I mean, I feel like a child. I mean, I'm like an infant, especially when it comes to reading the Bible and, and understanding yeah. Christ. It's, I'm learning just like children do. I have a five and a nine-year-old, and my five-year-old especially is very much like a sponge. He's always listening to everything. I mean, yeah. uh, he and he repeats things. I read the Bible with him as well, and they, they think they know it all. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I feel like with Christ, I'm just a child. I'm soaking everything up. And yeah. Um, one of the things I believe that maybe the LDS faith doesn't really understand is I was speaking with a man that is LDS just a few days ago, and he uh, he he told me that you know it's it's a free pass. Being Christian is just a free pass to us oh. because they believe that once you're baptized or born again, that you can get away with any sin that you want and, and just eat, drink, say, and eh. be merry, right? And that you can just do anything that you want, and that you're going to get to heaven anyhow. And I don't believe that's true. I mean, I yeah, it does say that we're saved by grace. However, that is that is a huge thing that we have to work for. You know, we have to we have to know that yeah. that Jesus is there. We have to make sure that I don't. We just we love him with all of us. And our now hearts. we have that direct responsibility with God, right? 
And I don't know of anyone that I've met that's been born again or that's a true believer in Christ who has that mentality of, oh, well, I'll just do anything I want. Right. In fact, the opposite's true. They're trying to please God, and they realize that there isn't a church between them. There's no mm -hmm. other judge. It's just them and God. Absolutely. And yeah. I feel like, um, well, I had a good point. Oh, <laughs> I watched the Passion of the Christ yeah. when I became LDS, or when I became Christian, and I just remember getting sick and thinking, when I was Christian or when I was LDS, I I never was really taught much about the yeah. crucifixion, but what he went I felt sick, like I I did it to him. Yeah. So, yeah. well, Diana, you've been through so much, but isn't it wonderful that you've had that burden and that guilt lifted off your shoulders? You've you have a relationship with Christ that you never had before. Absolutely. And you feel good. You yeah. know where you're headed now, don't you? Absolutely. And, oh. uh, well, appreciate it. And thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll see you next week. This has been the audio edition of The Ex-Mormon Files. The Ex-Mormon Files is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City. For information about this program, including past and current video episodes, please visit exmormonfiles.com. From there, you can also download audio episodes of this program. If you have an ex-Mormon story you would like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Please write us at contact at exmormonfiles.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon. Music